0: Proverbs chapter 28, finishing up our little understanding of life's choices, we started looking at this last time, this contrast of choices that we have to make in our lives. And all of our lives are defined by the choices that we make, not by the choices that others make, but the choices that we make. Everybody around you can make wrong choices. That doesn't mean you have to. And that doesn't mean their choices will define your life. Your choices will define your own life. So God help us to make them right. Proverbs 28, we'll start reading in verse 21 as we get God's wisdom together. Proverbs twenty-eight twenty-one. The Bible says to have respect of persons is not good. For for a piece of bread that man will transgress. He that hasteth to be rich hath an evil eye, and considereth not that poverty shall come upon him. He that rebuketh a man afterwards shall find more favor than he that flattereth with the tongue, whoso robbeth his father or his mother, and saith it is no transgression, the same Is the companion of a destroyer. He that is of a proud heart stirreth up strife, but he that putteth his trust in the Lord shall be made fat. He that trusteth in his own heart is a fool, but whoso walketh wisely, he shall be delivered. He that giveth unto the poor shall not lack. But he that hideth his eyes shall have many a curse. When the wicked rise, men hide themselves, but when they perish, the righteous increase. We want to start back at verse 21 and see some of these choices of life. There are two of these verses that we've already looked at that I read in your hearing this evening, and we won't revisit them. But uh we will look at the rest of these verses. And as we start in verse uh, 21, the Bible's going to talk to us about respect of persons. Would you look back there again? Respect of persons. The Bible says to have respect of persons is not good. You know, we all have a choice in life, and that's we can either be... Uh, prejudicial people or we can have compassion on everyone. We don't want to have respect of persons and just have compassion or interest in our own congregation. We want to be interested in the needs of people all around the world. Is that not right? We don't want to just have respect of persons and want to reach Americans we want to reach people all around the globe. It doesn't matter who they are. We don't care where they're born. We don't want them to go to hell. We didn't care we don't care what the color of their skin is. We don't care what their economic situation is. If they're poor or they're rich. We're not going to have respect of persons. We just want to try to have compassion on everyone. And so, when we look at this verse together to have and there's a lot of prejudice, and I think we get a bad rap about that in the South, especially now. It's like some people can never live down something that happened a hundred years ago. I mean, come on, you got to move on after a while. There's a lot of prejudice in this country, but it's not all located in the south it's all over the world, and um people get. People are prejudiced against white people. They're prejudiced against black people. They're prejudiced against poor people. They're prejudiced against rich people. Um, And all of that's wrong. We don't judge people by the color of their skin or their economic status. We don't judge them by color but by character. We don't judge people by social standing, but by spiritual condition. In other words, who I am is what I am on the inside. It's not what's on the outside of me. So because we are a missions-hearted church, we are not prejudicial people. And this verse says to have respect of persons is not good. In other words, if you would go out of your way to help one individual but not another... Or to have compassion on one individual, but not another individual. That's not good. That shows a prejudice in your heart. And he says that if, if this is the case, if you've chosen to be a person that respects person, it's not only not good, but look at the rest of the verse. It says, for, for a piece of bread, that man will transgress. So a prejudicial individual has a, has a bankruptcy in his own character. There's something wrong with his value system in such a way where he will sin even for the most little things. He will, he will sin for little to nothing. For a piece of bread he'll transgress because his, so, his character is so messed up that he has no values. He has no right values. And the Bible talks about respect of persons. Not good. I won't say this. I'm glad that God is no respecter of persons. He's good, and that he, he's not a respecter of persons. And and at least six times in your Bible, it tells you that. The Bible says in 2 Samuel 14, 14, 2 Chronicles 19, 7, Acts 10, 34, Romans 2, 11, Ephesians 6, 9, 1 Peter 1, 17, and if you want to uh, throw Colossians 3, 25, and that would be seven times. The Bible tells us over and over again that God is not a respecter of persons, and if he was then you and I would never got into salvation. He's not a respected person because, I mean, we as Gentiles could have been left out. And, of course, the Jewish people, they had respected persons. And they weren't too keen about Gentiles being brought into the family of God. By the way, that's how you also know, you know, just simple verses like this clear up a lot of bad theology. You know, Calvinism... You know what, if you boiled Calvinism, you don't have to read John Calvin's articles of confession. You don't have to get into all the deep discussion. All you have to know is that God is no respecter of persons. Because Calvinism would say God chooses some people to go to heaven and chooses other people to go to hell. Well, that means that he's respecting people. Especially if he does that before they're ever born. Is that not prejudicial? And God is no respecter of persons. This is what we believe. We believe that the ground is level. We're all sinners. (laughs) And so that's why we are not going to be prejudicial about what sinners we try to reach because everybody's a sinner. But see, other people look at people in different ways. They look at their... Social standing, or their family standing, or the color of skin, or where they were born, but when God looks at people, He looks at all of us as sinners, and He He wants to save all of us. Well, that's that's the, that's what I need to have. I need to have compassion on everybody. Now, my problem is that means I have to have compassion on Democrats. I just say then to try to help you because I don't know what yours is. I could keep going there, but I just keep it a little light here, you know. Sometimes we have a hard time being compassionate over someone that's done us wrong, you see. Are we only going to give to the gospel to people? Are we only going to be compassionate over people that meet a certain criteria with me? You see all these flags? These flags are a testimony that we do not want to have respect to persons. Doesn't matter what country they're born in. And God is the same way with us. And so we're all sinners. God doesn't look at us based upon any other thing but what's on the inside of us. And all of us are equally sinful. So if you ask me, are all men created equal? The answer is sort of yes, because all of us are sinners. You get a little bit deeper in that, though. It's sort of no, because everybody is not equally intelligent. If you don't know that, you're not paying much attention. Everyone is not equally blessed physically. Look, you know, our society is so mixed up. It's trying to get everybody... Everybody's not on the same level. The only level we're on the same is that we're all wicked. And we all need God. And we can all have God. And we can all find God. And we can all repent. And and the grace of God is for everyone and the mercy of God. That's where the ground is level. But you can't make the rest of the ground level. You can't take away poor people from the world and rich people from the world. That's never going to happen. Jesus said that. He says, "The poor you have with you always, because God makes some people rich and he makes some people poor. He doesn't create us equal. He makes some people beautiful and some people special in their own way. Right? Come on, and here's people are so messed up. they want to be something they're not. It's all right, whatever you are, because you and I are both sinners. And we're equally the same in the eyes of God, and we both have a heart that can seek the Lord. But as far as the other conditions of life, that's not level. That's not always equal. Can you imagine if you were born if you were born in uh, Ethiopia or the Sudan, do you think that's very equal? And so this is what society does. Society says, well, you ought to feel bad about your white privilege. That, that's what society is teaching. No, no, God doesn't make everybody equal in their life experiences. But he is still no respecter of a person because that guy in Ethiopia, he can get saved just like I can get saved in America. And a matter of fact, it might be easier for the dude in Ethiopia to get saved than an American guy to get saved. And you say, well, well, that's still not fair. No, I, I tell you what, what people are look at, they'll look at eternity, not life. Because if your life is terrible for, for 50 years and you die early and you go to heaven, amen, and you get to spend 90 years down here in affluence and you die and go to hell, you tell me what you'd rather have. See, so you've got to have an eternal perspective about life in society. And so, God is no respect of persons in regard to our spiritual needs, to our, to our need of salvation, to the compassion that He would have on all of us. And we're not going to be prejudicial in that regard either. Now, I will say this: as would you turn to James chapter 2? Because I've got to read a verse on that, get the New Testament commentary on Proverbs 28:21 here. But just because the Bible says that to have respect of persons is not good, that little phrase, respect of persons, that's talking about prejudice. It's not telling us that we should respect all people. Respect of persons does not mean that I'm to respect all people. Some people are void of respect. Some people are disrespectful. Don't, don't confuse that. Well, everybody deserves respect. That's not true. I will not respect a rapist. I have no respect for them. Well, that's prejudice. No, that is looking at a man's character and what he has done and judging him for that. That has nothing to do with being prejudicial. Because if you're a rapist... I don't care what color of skin you you have. It's the deed of your character that causes the blight on who you are. And we could go down the list of sin and say the same thing. So all men do not deserve respect. Listen now, but all men deserve the compassion of the gospel being given to them. I can go to a prison and look across the bars at a rapist and I'll give him the gospel just like I'll give the sheriff in town. Uh, I'm in the book of James here, James chapter 2. James chapter 2, verse number 1. Here's here's prejudice in a way that our society doesn't talk about, but the Bible does. James 2, verse 1, my brethren. So this is written to the church. My brethren, have not the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, The Lord of glory with respect of persons. Then he gives an illustration of that. For if there come unto your assembly a man with a gold ring and goodly apparel, and there come in also a poor man in vile raiment, and ye have respect to him that weareth the gay clothing. That's why I refuse to use the word gay in the modern context. That's not what that means. I will never use it. And by the way, I'm so sick and tired of this society recruiting our children and people. You cannot You cannot get on YouTube without an ad asking you if you are gay and to take the test. That is everywhere. It's on TikTok. It's on every medium because they're trying to recruit and destroy the whole generation. People don't come up with those ideas on their own. They're recruited for that. Gay is a word, is happy. And those people are not happy. That's why some of the highest suicide rates in the world are people that are homosexual. And that's a fact. All you have to do is look at it. And the cannibalism, guys, I preached on, you know what I preached on Wednesday, uh, Sunday night in the missions conference? I preached on cannibalism. Well, that was part of the message. No, wasn't in the missions conference. How they ate. In a famine, they ate the ass's head, then they ate the dove's dung, and then they boiled their own children and ate them. That's, that's in Israel. You know why? There is no end to the depravity of man when he starts going down the rabbit hole. There's no end to it. And you, you, you look up all the famous cannibals. You know what they are? The homosexuals. Just check me out. Well, don't check me out because I started looking at some of that and it was so depraved I had to quit reading it. It, I mean, guys, and I told the church that. Do Do you know there is a movement about cannibalism going on right now? It's in the movies. The New York Times wrote an article normalizing cannibalism. The New York Times. Why? Because, hey, there's no, you've got to go somewhere farther. So that was a rant just because I'm reading the Bible and I read the word gay. I'm sorry. But use Bible words, okay? You see what they're trying to do? They're trying to steal Bible words. There's nothing gay about homosexuality. It's misery. And you have respect to, uh, to him that weareth at the gay clothing and saying to him, sit thou here in a good place and say the poor, stand thou there, or sit here under my footstool. Are you not then partial in yourselves and are become judges of evil thoughts? So he, he's telling us not to respect persons, not in regard to, uh, to racial issues, but to social issues. And probably prejudice has a lot to do with that many times more than the other. Because somebody is a different class of person than you are. And and we're not going to do that. We're, we're going to go to the rich neighborhoods and knock on the doors and try to tell them about Christ. And we're going to go to every trailer park and every... Area we can doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Right. And we're going to welcome them into the into the church house and try to try to show them the love of God. And if we ever don't have that attitude, there's something wrong with us right. Right. because we are that bankrupt poor person that that God had mercy on. You That's see. Right. Yeah. We'll drop down to verse nine of James two because I've got to read one more verse there, James 2, 9. But if you have respect to persons, ye commit what? So it's a sin. But if you have respect to persons, ye commit sin and are convinced of the law as transgressors. All right, back to the book of Proverbs, chapter 28. So you can have a choice in your life that you are not going to respect persons and you're going to have compassion on people or you can be prejudicial and just like your own I I tell you what I could even take that a little step further that's why I'm against all these best friend things I know I I know when I bring that up I I, I hear that from places that I don't even want to hear it oh this is my bestie and that's my bestie Why, why you got best friends well see it's getting quiet right there Why do we we respect person? Well, this is my friend and you're not my friend. That's what's wrong with this category of people. Why can't everybody be my friend? Why can't I be a friend to everybody? Why do I have to have somebody that's best and leave the rest of you out of my circle? You say, where do kids get that from? They get it from you. They get it from adults. I got a lot of my circle people... Amen. You, you know why I, I, I appreciate uh, a lot of people in the church. I appreciate bro, brother, brother Matthew and Miss Stacy. They invite everybody to their house, even if they don't even know who they are. I appreciate that. There, there are some people in this church, you would invite the same three people over to your family for the next 50 years. That's free. I'm sorry. I'm just saying, there are different ways to respect persons than you've thought about. You can have your own prejudices in your relationships. Are we not all part of the family of God? Are we? Are we brothers and sisters in Christ? Do you know how dangerous it is for you to have a child or a family member that you like more than the rest of the family members? That's not healthy. Okay, verse 23. So, life's choices, you either respect persons or you have compassion for everyone. Verse 23. He that rebuketh a man afterwards shall find more favour than he that flattereth with the tongue. Here's a choice between rebuke and flattery, or flattery. Are you interested in receiving a rebuke if you're wrong, or do you want to continue to be flattered? Why do we want people to keep lying to us constantly, just so that we'll feel better? And say that again. Why do we want people to continue to lie to us just so we'll feel better? Here's what a guy from the 1600s said. He said, few people, it's 1600, that's a long time ago. Few people have the wisdom to like reproofs that would do them good better than praises that do them hurt. You get that right from this verse. He that rebuketh a man afterwards shall find more favor than he that flattereth with his tongue. We live in a world that wants to hear flattery, not rebuke. But the Bible says he that rebuketh a man afterwards shall find more favor. Here's even an encouragement to the rebuker. If you'll be one that rebukes people, then you'll find favor. Now, it'll be afterward because nobody enjoys a rebuke in the moment. But afterward, you'll find favor. And if you don't find it from the one that you rebuked, you'll find it from God. Because the Bible says in Proverbs 24, verse 25, But to them that rebuke him shall be delight, and a good blessing shall come upon them. Rebuke is a blessing. Now, look, all rebuke isn't good. Some rebuke can be bad if it's done in the wrong spirit, so don't get off track there. You can rebuke somebody and be right, but do it in the wrong spirit, with the wrong motive. You follow me? With the wrong heart. So don't think... We can never think we're spiritual just because we're rebuking people. Because you may be rebuking people in a wrong spirit. In a proud way. Not because you're concerned about them or want to help them, but you just want to hit them with your tongue. That's not profitable. That's a wrong rebuke. But this says, with rebuke you'll find more favor than he that flatteth with, with the tongue. Guys, I start thinking about this, you know. You know what Paul did to Peter? Paul rebuked Peter to his face before other people and then wrote it in the Bible. How would you like your hypocritical sin to be written in the Bible for people to read for 2,000 years? That's a pretty public rebuke. Peter! I rebuked him before them all. Because he was being a hypocrite. But you know, you know what I love about Peter? Peter's a great repenter because at the end of his life, Peter takes out his pen and he writes about our beloved brother Paul. You know if that had been most Baptists, if somebody rebuked you like that in front of everybody else, you never would have spoke to him again, let alone said how, what a wonderful brother they are. You know why? Because we don't appreciate rebuke. Some of us can't even take rebukes when it's so generic. You know the rebuking I do here? I don't call your name. I don't even have to call people's name; they get mad at me. I, people get mad at me and I wasn't even talking about them. But they were convinced I was. You know why? Because there's something in us that does not like to be rebuked. But that's what preaching is... I can't win for losing. I really can't as a preacher. God told me to preach the word, be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. He told me to do that. If I don't rebuke you, then I'm a flunky. I've not done what God told me to do. But here's the problem. Our society wants flattery. They've chosen flattery instead of rebuke. Tell me how good I am. Tell me what kind of good person I am. I want to talk to people that will give me good vibes and positive thinking. I don't need all this negativity. The death of preaching is because our society... Listen to me. The death of preaching is because our society has chosen flattery over rebuke. Do your children need to be encouraged? Absolutely. But they also need to be rebuked. And if you don't do both, you're you're, you're not a wise individual. And God's not going to give you favor for that. And they're not going to experience favor either. So we, we can choose rebuke or we can choose flattery. All that flattery on the Internet. All that stuff about myself so somebody can... Send me a message back and tell me that I'm right and that's good. and I, So I feel better about me. Mm. What a flattering society we have. And so now you can't even tell people the truth about anything. But I'll read it again because it's in the Bible. He that rebuketh a man afterwards shall find more favor than he that flattereth with a tongue. That's what the Bible says. Here's another choice. Look at verse 24. Whoso robbeth his father or his mother and saith it is no transgression, the same is the companion of a destroyer. You know, you can rob from your parents or you can requite them. You can write first Timothy five, four right there. We're to requite our parents, we're to pay them back not to steal from them or rob, rob from. You know the Bible says thou shalt not steal. It's bad enough just to steal from anybody. But to steal from your family. To rob your father and mother. And then not only that, how about even going a step further? How about robbing God? That's in the Bible. You know, I try to think about, well, how do people rob from their parents? Of course, it can be a monetary thing. I think that happens more than we think it does. But I think it's more than stealing money. How about robbing your father and mother of the joy in life of a good child? Stealing from them the happiness of watching their children grow up in the fear of the Lord. And robbing from them a good testimony and robbing their good name because some child drugged the family name down in the dirt. I think that's stealing from your parents. He says in this verse, he, Whoso robbeth his father or his mother, and saith it is no transgression, the same is the companion of a destroyer. Why does he say it's the companion of a destroyer? Well, I, I think... And this is what got me thinking about this. I think some children destroy their parents. Break their heart. Destroy their heart. Destroy their mind. Amen. I, love my, I loved my parents enough that I did not want to destroy them. I did not want to hurt them. Guys, we're living in a generation... Where, where a generation is grown up that don't, don't give a flip about their parents. And don't give a flip about God. And they don't care who they hurt. Companion of a destroyer. If I'm not willing to honor my father and mother, I'm stealing from them. I'm robbing them. Now, I will say this. You don't honor your father and your mother above honoring God. Because we've got to keep that in context. There are some people that don't have godly parents. They don't have parents that fear the Lord. But the principle here, he's talking to someone who has that, that good home unit and they're robbing, they're stealing that joy, I think, from them. You can rob from your parents or you can requite them. How about robbing from them somebody to take care of them when they get older? Because the Bible says we're supposed to requite our parents so if we don't pay them back, when they get older, maybe that means I'm stealing the, stealing, uh, the caregiver from them. I'll just stick them somewhere else. I, I get so put out with that. As a pastor, I watch some people we try to care for, and uh, they've got they've got children, but their children aren't in our church, or they don't go to our church, and their children couldn't give a flip about their parents. And our church people do more for their own mother or father than they do. That bothers me. They're stealing from their parents the care that they need. I I don't want to do that. I, I don't want that to be my choice. Well, verse number 25. He that is of a proud heart stirreth up strife... But he that putteth his trust in the Lord shall be made fat. So you can choose pride or you can choose to put your trust in the Lord, which is an unusual thing, which sort of tells me that, that pride, pride is the source of unbelief. Look at it. He that is of a proud heart stirreth up strife, but he that put his trust in the Lord should be made fat. So why don't I put my trust in the Lord? It's because I'm proud. So the lack of faith is rooted in the pride in my heart. I don't want to be proud. I want to put my trust in the Lord. Well, how do I know if I have a proud heart? Verse 25. He that is of a proud heart stirreth up strife. He said in Proverbs 13, 10, Only by pride cometh contention. You know your pride if all you do is fight with people. That's what he says. He that is a proud heart stirreth up strife. Stirs it up. You know what I call it? I call that the drama queens. Need some more drama. Let me stir it up. Proud in heart since I'm on the complimentary side of the Root family. I like brother and sister sister Root period. They are such a blessing to this church. Brother Matt's mom and dad could no more stir up strife than they could put a rocket on Mars. They don't know how to do that. And they had not been here 10 years. I I see that about them. They, they, They couldn't cause a problem in this church if they stayed up all night trying to figure out how to do it. They don't know how to stir up anything. You know what? They just walk in here and sit down and smile and sing the song, hear the preaching. They're glad to come in, glad to go out, glad to come in the next time. There's never going to be a problem for them. They're not going to stir anything up. Yeah. And you know what that's rooted in? They're, they're just, their heart's trusting in the Lord. And proud people's hearts, there's something always stirring up, man. There's something always to take care of. There's some problem. There's some fire to put out. There's some dynamite fuse that needs to be clipped. Or something else is going to blow up. Because of my pride. Humble people, they just trust the Lord. Somebody that's trusting the Lord, they're not trying to strive because they're just committing to God. God, if you don't work this out, then I'm not going to try to cause a problem and work it out. If you can't work it out, I can't work it out. So I'll just trust you. Amen. I Boy, I deserve a Christmas present from these root people after church. <laughs> Helps when you laugh, doesn't it? Well, verse 26, he says, He that trusteth in his own heart is a fool. Do you see that in the Bible? He that trusteth in his own heart is a fool. You know, we ought to put that on a billboard. He that trusteth in his own heart is a fool. What a thing for God to say. Here's what God's telling us. You can either trust me or you can trust you, but if you trust you, you're a fool. Boy, that's salient. That's salty, that's good, that's helpful, that's wisdom. I can't trust me. I've got to trust Him. When I trust myself, I am a fool. And everybody trusts in something. They may trust what they read on the internet. They may trust what they're psychologists tell them or somebody some friend tell them. let me ask you let me ask you a question why would you trust anybody that doesn't believe the Bible the first thing I would do do you believe the Bible well I can't trust you if you don't believe the Bible because you're a fool and I don't want to hear a fool as big a fool as I am because if I trust in my heart I'm a what So that's life's choice. You can just put your trust in the Lord or you can be proud in heart. And he said here in verse number 25, if you'll put your trust in the Lord, you shall be made what? Fat. Americans know something about that. Now, guys, let me help you with the Bible. When he says if you trust in the Lord, you'll be made fat, that's a positive thing. It's a positive thing for people that are dying of starvation. Fat means that you're prosperous, that you're plentiful. Fat people have more food than they need to have. They have more supply than is necessary. You understand what I'm saying? Come on now, I'm preaching spiritually. Spiritually. So God says if we'll trust in Him, He will will fill our cup and load us down and we won't have a need anywhere else. We'll have more than we need. And padding to do, to plus. If we'll just trust in the Lord. Isn't that great? Whoso putteth his trust in the Lord shall be made fat. He that trusteth in his own heart is a fool, but whoso walketh wisely shall be delivered. If you walk wisely, you're walking in faith. You're walking by faith. You're trusting the Lord. You say, well, how can I keep trust? You just say what Job said. Though he slay me, yet will I trust him. If everything is going wrong and I can't see through the darkness, I'm going to trust him. I'm not going to doubt in the darkness what God has showed to me in the light. And I'm just going to trust him. And my walk will be a wise walk. And I'll be delivered. I've got to give you the last thing. Verse 27. He that giveth unto the poor shall not lack, but he that hideth his eyes shall have many a curse. Y'all come on through. Y'all come on through. We'll see how good our attention is. Verse 27. So you can be a giver or a hider. Look at the verse again. He that giveth unto the poor shall not lack, but he that hideth his eyes shall have many curse." So you can be a giver or you can be a hider. Okay. We'll let him come through. I said you can be a giver or you can be a what? Hider. You can be a hider or you can be a what? Giver. Good. Y'all can do it backwards too. You can be a giver or you can be a That's a choice. I'm glad we've got a church here that many, many of you have chosen to be a giver and not a hider. Yeah, a hider. We say, so what does that got to do with each other, a hider and a giver? Remember that guy that had his Lord's talent and he dug a hole and he hit it? <laughs> Remember that? He didn't want to give to the bank to get the money. He didn't want to be a giver. He wanted to be a hider. How about that light? Remember that? He says, you know, you don't take a light and you don't put it under a bushel. You don't hide it under. You know, we sung that as kids, didn't we? Hide it under a bushel. No. What's that talking about? Letting your light shine? shine. What's letting your light shine mean? Huh? Huh? Given the gospel. That's, that's being a giver. I'm giving my light to others instead of hiding my light. So here's the question. Are you going to be a giver? Or are you going to be a hider? Are you going to hide your treasures? Are you going to hide your witness? Are you going to hide what God's done in your heart? Are you going to be a giver of light? A giver of treasure? I was preaching about Sunday night about, about those leprous men from the famine that went in the camp of the Syrians. And they got in there and they ate and drank because all the Syrians were gone. It's like they walked into the mall, man. It's like they walked in the grocery store and nobody was there. And they could eat whatever they want. This is in the famine when people are eating dung and buying and selling it. And so they go in the tents and they got all this food and they just eat and eat and eat and they go right back in the tent and they eat and eat and eat and after a while they look at you what are we going to do now? I mean you can only go in the tent and eat so much. You know what they did? They started getting silver and gold. They also they, like they went to the bank. There were banks everywhere. And you get to pull out all the money for free. And the lepers they got silver and they got gold and they got everything. And so they, what are we going to do with it? You know what they did? They went and hid it. And instead of being a giver, they were a hider. And then they looked at each other. You know what they said? We do not will. Because back there in the city, they're eating their own babies. And they don't have anything. And we're taking all that we have and hiding it. Do you see that picture? Are you going to be a giver or are you going to be a hider? I don't want to hide the treasure. I want to give the treasure. Look at the verse. Because we only got two songs. So, Brother Jimmy is going to lead us in just a second. Verse 27. He that giveth unto the poor. Verse 27. He that giveth unto the poor shall not what? you believe that? So if you're a giver, he says you will not what? Guys, I've watched that. If you're a giver, you won't lack. And people that lack, they're not givers. You say, how do we know that? Well, he says right here at when we started Proverbs, he said in chapter 3, Honor the Lord with your substance and the first fruits of all your increase. So shall thy barns be filled with plenty. That's what he said. And Jesus said, given it shall be given unto you, pressed down, shaken together, running over, shall men give into your book. Is that not what Jesus said? Amen. And the apostle Paul in chapter 9 of 2 Corinthians says, he that soweth sparingly shall reap sparingly. And if you sow bountifully, you'll reap bountifully. That's, that's a principle in the Bible. I'm going to close. You know, I got to thinking about this. I don't want to be a hider. I want to be a giver. In Acts chapter 11, matter of fact, turn over there, and we'll finish up right here. I was thinking about our giving, and I was preaching about that famine. You know, I really believe a famine could be on its way. I believe the judgment of God could be on its way. I don't know. I, I'm praying it's not because you know, it's, it's not like we're not going to be affected you know God sent a famine during the early church? And they knew it was coming because somebody stood up and prophesied and told them all it was coming. Let me ask you a question. Now, I'm not Benny Hinn. I'm not these charismatic guys. If I stood up and in the power of God, I told you that a famine was coming just like Joseph did, and I said, all right, it's going to start at the end of 2023. And you knew that was the Word of God. What would you do? Yeah, how, how would you pray? Go ahead. Save, right? Is that, is that not what we would do? If you knew fame was coming, you'd fill up your can and jars, you'd quit buying stuff that you don't need. Do you know what the early church... Just, just read it. Watch this. Acts eleven twenty seven. And in these days came prophets from Jerusalem unto Antioch, and there stood up one of them named Agabus, and signified by the Spirit that there should be great dearth throughout all the world. Dearth, that's the death of the earth. That means nothing's going to grow. That means famine. Great dearth throughout all the world. Watch it. Which came to pass in the days of Claudius Caesar. Look at it. Then, then the disciples, every man, according to his ability, determined to send relief unto the brethren which dealt and dwelt in Judea, which also they did, and sent it by the elders to the elders by the hands of Barnabas and Saul. Mm. Famine's coming. Well, we better give now. Yeah. Yeah. We better give while we have something to give. The famine's not even there yet. They said, "Well, if it's coming, we better give." Yeah. Yeah. Because if we give, we'll have. Plenty, he says. I don't know if people... I'm not preaching the health and wealth gospel. I'm just preaching what the Bible says. And I'm preaching you the, the, the testimony of the New Testament church, the first century. Famine's coming. Man, we've got to step up our giving. Guys, I'm getting calls from pastors that are mission-minded church, and they said, our mission is dropping. We don't know what to do. Inflation's coming. I tell you what. If we really believe the Bible and we believe the wisdoms in this Bible, God says, if you'll be a giver, I'll take care of you. If you're a hider, don't work.